0: Hey guys, it's Dr. J, and Apostle Sherman, and we are so excited that you have tuned in for this week's message. We pray that it blesses you and helps to transform your life and the direction that God has for you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, all nations, San Bernardino! so excited to be with you all. It has been quite the year guys, but we have so much to be grateful for. And so we give God all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Why? Because he continues to be faithful to us. He continues to be faithful to our house. He continues to be faithful to our families. And so even though we are in trying times, we have the ability to still be with you in your homes today. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes as we continue in this amazing series Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time is all about dreams and pushing yourself beyond what you know as your dreams. And I'm excited to bring you week two of this amazing series. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse two. Hopefully y'all catching y'all breath from worship. Listen, when you put Sheree and Apostle together, You already know, you already know we're not sticking to 20 minutes and we're going to go all the way in. So I am just excited for this new way of worship. Hopefully you are there. If you're not there, then you usually don't turn to it anyways. And so we're going to put it up. You're going to read it with us. Thank you, guys. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. It reads, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by his many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. It is better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. I want to preach a message to you entitled, Wake Up, It's Morning." I remember uh, growing up and even thinking about the message last week that Apostle preached, being a kid, and this idea that kids have this unbelievable ability to believe in the absolute impossible. And being a a school-age teacher, K-5, forever, I absolutely heard the most amazing dreams Um, from kids. I had kids that wanted to be a rapper while also running a company and also playing in the NFL. And I'm like, you go for it, buddy. Who am I? Who are me to judge? Okay. Like I am not judging your dreams. And it came with this freedom. It came with this freedom that when you declare your dreams out loud, then the people around you would rally and support you. The other thing about it though, is we got a little distracted. Because what is it like as a kid? You say what your dream is, and we watch you grow up, and we don't hold you accountable for it, right? Because you can pretty much say anything. Well, somewhere along the way, guys, you were supposed to pick up responsibility and keep the big dream. But we let the big dream die and refuse to also pick up the responsibility. When kids say their dreams, they say it hastily right? Because there's no accountability. Nobody's going to come back and say anything. So they just say it hastily. And it reminds me of Ecclesiastes five and two, where it talks about not speaking hastily. Why? Because you're going to be held accountable for the things that you say and the things that you dream. Now this wide open dreaming of kids is not something that we want you to shy away from, but this is something that we want you to keep, but also put some responsibility with it. Reality sets in, and it takes the toll on our dreams. Reality says you can't do both of those things at the same time. Reality says when you go see your high school counselor, you have to what? Choose. Reality says you don't have money to do that. Reality says that does not make natural sense. Reality says all kinds of things to you that really when you compare them to the possibility that we read in our Bible, reality is demonic. Reality works against the supernatural and what God is trying to build inside of us. Reality chokes hope out of us, and it tells us what is impossible. And it overshadows possibility with impossible, but it's all a shadow. Why? Because God has called us to the impossible. When we believe and we start to live in a box of possibilities, That box is where logic lives. Now I'm a logical person. But logic works against the impossible. You will talk yourself out of a miracle. You will talk yourself out of the dreams of God for you trying to be logical. When I read stories to my children and it starts with once upon a time. I absolutely expect the impossible. I know that in this story... Somebody is going to marry somebody that they just met on a whim. I know that in this story, a pumpkin is going to turn into a carriage. I know that in this story, we're going to have fairy godmothers. We're going to have people flying around. We're going to have people shrinking, getting big and one sec- We're going to have all kinds of lotions. Of po- Everything is going to happen because what? I just read once upon a time. And so you begin to expect it because you, they already gave you a clue. Everything that you read from here on out is about to be absolutely crazy, unbelievable, and illogical. Why? Once upon a time. Many of us, we let this land of impossibility come into our lives. We let this land of impossibility push away the pages that we once read. And we began to think that impossibilities are just for pages. That impossibilities are just to watch on screens. Impossibility is really for the pages of your life. Impossibility is for the screen that you will be the living epistle read and watched of men. You are impossibility. The fact that you are still standing means that the impossible is actually possible in God. It is important Not that we walk in the reality of Disney, but we walk in the reality of Christ Jesus. How can we let a mouse, a character, a make-believe, make us believe in something, and we can't even believe in Christ Jesus that he can do more than Mickey the Mouse. We don't believe in Christ Jesus that he can do more than Pixar. If they can dream it, I can live it. Do you remember the first time that somebody ever laughed at your dream? I do. And it's in that moment that I had to decide, will I shrink because of their laugh? Will I stay quiet because of their laugh? The response of men to your dreams, it plants a seed of insecurity. You can toss that seed, or you can water that seed. Many of us, we've watered that seed instead of rejecting it. And so one laugh, one smirk, one questioning, one, oh, really? But you know those oh reallys. You know those oh right? Where it's like, you're crazy. But when we read in the word, there's scripture after scripture pushes us, pushes us to dream, but not just to dream, but to dream bigger, wider than we could even expand our mind to think. And then to know that if our mind can think it, God wants to do one, two, three notches above that. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should, what? Walk in them. You were not created because somebody wanted to expand their family. You were not created because somebody made a mistake. You were not created because it just was happenstance. You literally were created because you are the handiwork of a God-sized dream. You are what God dreamed of and it came into the earth. You are his dream. You are the manifestation of what God spoke into existence. You are somebody's dream. You're not a nightmare. You're not a mistake. You are not something that just, you are a dream. And because you are a dream, then you have been called to produce after your own kind. That manifestation, it starts as pure dreaming. But after we move on in life, we have a few more experiences, then that dreaming has the potential to get sin-stained as we walk through the journey of dreaming. Have you ever looked around... And notice what you've accomplished, but you just feel like this yearning for more. And it's sometimes a little odd to even say out of your mouth, because people are like, just be happy. Like, you got a job, you got a car, you got a man, you got a woman, some of us, you know, got something. You got a place to live. You got a little pet. Like, just be happy. But there's something in you. That's always yearning for greater. That is the push of heaven. Do not let the world suppress that in you. That yearning, that ishing, that's the push of heaven that says, yes, there is more. Yes, there is greater. Yes, there is bigger. And yes, because you are here and because Christ lives inside of you, you can do more so then how do our dreams get stained with sin it's the mixture because see we say we're dreaming but we dream with doubt and then we say we're dreaming and we're believing God but we're doing it with fear we're doing it with second guessing we're doing it with partial obedience and then see, we hold God accountable. This is a dream you gave me, God. This is a dream you gave me. I'm standing with you. I'm believing you. No, because you only obeyed partially. So you're dreaming, but it stains with sin. We're dreaming, but we're minimizing it to make it rational. Right? Because he gave you a big dream, and it was not you working in your kitchen on it. And that's you don't have to start somewhere but when you become content with the start and no longer go for that big dream that he gave you you're dreaming with sin stained on it we dream in a way that we say it's for God but we're really doing it to make ourselves a name we're really doing it to make ourselves wealth We're really doing it to make ourselves influential. That's why as a whole, when we read you and we read the epistle, God is not the first thing we see. We see your presence. We see your image. We see your likeliness. We see your personality. We see your nice pictures. We see your nice fit. We see everything about you. But it's sin-stained because you say you're doing it for him, but he's not getting any of the glory. The big dreams that we have in our heart were meant to point to Christ and to magnify him. You are just the magnifying glass. And when people look through it and they don't see Christ, it is stained with sin. John 15 and 5 gives us a reminder of this from Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's Like a little leaf out there. Talking about by a tree, I'm out. Good luck. You're going to die not too far from this tree. As soon as you disconnect, you're going to die not too far from this tree. You thought you was going to fly, but you're right there on the ground. Waiting to get swept up. Because we believe in all of our green leafiness that somehow we can live without the vine. Apart from Christ, you cannot fulfill your dreams and live abundantly. I don't care how much you think you can. God created us with big dreams. Why? Because our dreams should magnify our need for Him. You're not dreaming so that you can pat yourself on the back and celebrate your efforts. You're not that smart. Our life is completely about Christ. And he gives us an opportunity. He says, dream with me. Magnify me. Dream with me. Let me use you to be the light that I've called to come into the earth. This is why it makes no sense to finally gain a hold of the things that you've dreamt with God about all this time and to walk away from him. People call it the poor man's gospel, and we see it all the time. People, they're hungry for Christ when they're hungry and they have no food on the table. They're hungry for Christ when they don't have support, when they don't have a following. They're hungry for Christ when their bank accounts are empty. They're hungry for Christ when they're begging around, asking for favors from people. But then they arrive at some magical point where they think they've got it. But I'm telling you this. If you were able to achieve it and walk away from God, you shortchange yourself. If you are happy with where you got without God, then you are living beneath your means. We go back to our main scripture and it says Ecclesiastes 5 and 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. And then it warns you, but fear God. Because big dreams have the tendency to make people cocky. You get a little sniff, sniff, whiff of yourself. Why? Because you got a big dream, right? It sounds good on paper. It sounds good when you dreamcast it. God forbid you get in front of a couple of executives, right? And you get to do your little PowerPoint, your little Google slides, and you're looking all good, right? And everybody's telling you how amazing this is. And then we forget, but fear God. Don't let God be with you in your struggle and not in your victory. Fearing God will cause you to reverence him in such a way that you literally feel danger moving outside of his will. There should be this fear, this reverence. That makes you know, if I step outside of the bounds of his will for me, I literally am stepping into a dangerous place. You must take every ounce of sin, every ounce of doubt, every ounce of pride, every ounce every ounce of everything that is not like God outside of your dreaming process. You cannot dream with sin stained all over your dream. Why? Because the manifestation of a sin stained dream is a sin stained fulfillment. And what does this word warn of us? It says that it comes with destruction. Read in Ecclesiastes. It's a guarantee that if you do the mixture, you will have destruction. And it's not going to be an immediate destruction. Come on, y'all. We know millionaires. We know people who, are, who look like they're winning big, and they're not walking with the Lord at all. But they're also the same people that experience this great sudden demise. They're also the same people that live with torment in their minds. We're cheering them on, but when they go home, they can't look themselves in the mirror. We're cheering them on. We want the life that they have, but they literally cannot sleep at night. Why? Because of the things that are plaguing them. The Bible says there is good success and there if there's good success that means there's what bad success and so we've got to make sure that we are dreaming big within the confines of God and walking with him dreaming was never meant to be easy and if you are walking in what you're called to do right now and you're not dead guess what you got to go bigger because some of y'all are like, I'm there. No, you're not, because you're still here. And so the fact that you're still here means you got to go bigger. And if you're not walking in it, guess what? You've already tapped a hold of that bigger because you know you're not there yet. Ecclesiastes 5 and 3 says that a dream comes with much activity. Some virgins say busyness. But it's not the busyness that we're thinking about. It's a busyness that makes you run from your dream. The word there, busyness, or activity, is not talking about positive activity. If you read it in its full translation, that busyness means that a dream comes with torment, that a dream comes with much worry, care, and concern. If your dream hasn't made you cry, you're not dreaming big enough. If your dream hasn't cost you money that you don't have, you're not dreaming big enough. If your dream has not caused you insomnia, you are not dreaming big enough. If your dream hasn't made you second guess, you're not dreaming big enough. If your dream hasn't challenged your family line, you're not dreaming big enough. If it hasn't challenged your level of education, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. go bigger. If it hasn't made you seem like a lunatic, go bigger. Your goal should be the crazy Christian lady. Crazy Christian man. That's my goal. And when they say I'm crazy, I'm like, eh, I'm in there, I'm in there, right? Because as long as people root you on, then they probably can see the possibility just like you can. But big dreams come from the need for great endurance, great endurance, and the more pain you can handle, the higher you get to go. Every one of us has a God sized dream. Now, whether you suppressed it or not, that's up to you. So if you say, No, I don't have a God sized dream, He hasn't given me anything yet, you're suppressing it. Somewhere you're not listening. And it should get us fired up to do more. And guess what? It's worth the wait. When we first got um, engaged, Apostle gave me a little dusty ring. I mean, it was dusty, y'all. It was dusty am I lying? I'm not lying. It was, I was happy though, right? I was happy because I knew it's not, this is not it. It's not all the Lord has for me. This is not all the Lord has for me, right? And listen, sure enough, before we got married, and I'm a little fluffy right now, so I don't have it on because I don't want to get stuck. But before we got to that point, I was five carats strong. Praise God. And it was what? Worth the wait. Before we got, before, amen, amen. Okay, now I already told the story. We don't need you to retell. Okay, all right. But it was worth the wait. That same concept of a God-sized dream is like a diamond. It takes both pressure and time. And if you can learn the lessons of pressure and the lessons of time, And you can compound the lessons of pressure and the lessons of time, then you get that diamond-sized dream. Pressure is good. Come on, say it with me. Pressure is good. Say it again. Pressure is good. You were born out of pressure. How do you think you got here? When you got down low enough in the station that made your mother cringe. And she felt that ring of fire. There was no turning back. You were born out of pressure. Some of y'all like, I was a C-section, baby. Amen. I had one of those too. And you slice and there's pressure. You may be numb as all get out, but there's Pressure. Pressure is required for the birthing process. And if you stop pushing, when that baby gets to where it needs to be, you can crush the skull of your baby. When you get to the moment of birthing and you refuse to push, your baby gets trapped. And they have minutes They have minutes to save the life of your baby because you will crush their skull. When you give up under pressure, you've got a baby in the canal and you are crushing the skull of what God has promised you. Once you feel that pressure, you have no option to go back. If you feel the pressure, That means it's time to push. And it's not time to push like you were pushing before, but it's time to push harder. It's time to push stronger, why? Because the pressure. Millionaires, CEOs, company leaders, the people who are at the top of the top internationally, they are not there because they're smart. Are you kidding me? They're not there because they love the Lord. They are there because they rose to the occasion. You think they didn't receive pressure? They escaped the jaws of pressure. They leaned in and when pressure tried to close in on them and they got into the jaws of pressure and the teeth of pressure poked them and prodded them and they began to bleed and they felt the pain. They didn't shy away, they pressed in. Pressure is an indicator that you are right there. I haven't gotten a massage in a while. Thank you, pandemic. I like my massages. When you get good in that massage, What does the Musu say? They say, how's the pressure? How's the pressure? And that's my question to you today, how's the pressure? Because if you don't get enough pressure, you can't get the kinks out at all. So how's the pressure? You running from the pressure? You think you shouldn't have any pressure? Because that means that you're no longer on the table if you feel no pressure. The lessons of pressure partnered with the lessons of time. Time should teach you how to struggle graciously, not how to get out of the struggle. There's a grace that can be upon you where you can wash your face, where you can put some oil on your lips, where you can run yourself through that shower and struggle looks nothing like what other people think struggle should look like. I don't look like struggling. I don't look like the struggle I'm in. Why? Because there's a lesson to be learned. When you can struggle graciously, then time allows you to build up that grace. Time will teach you another lesson and that lesson is that you can fail strong. Time teaches you how to fail. When you don't have any time in the game, you don't know how to fail. Every failure is a stepping point towards your next. Nobody with big dreams has not experienced failure. You must experience failure in order to see the manifestation of the dreams that God has called you to. Time will teach you how to know the Lord more deeply because when you thought your little devotion was enough when you thought your little passage was enough when you thought your 5 minute prayer was enough oh no keep on living keep on dreaming keep on struggling time will teach you how to know the lord more deeply if you let it because many of us we get out of the press and it's like oh no i don't i don't want to i don't want to so you talk to the lord less so you start to read less. So you start to skip devotion instead of doubling devotion. But time wants to teach you how to know the Lord more deeply. But when we're distracted by pressure, when we're distracted by the passing of the time, we happen to forget that God can do anything. I I really want you to think about that because we sing it, right? Right? but then pandemic hit and we forgot because we read it and then 2020 happened and we forgot because we declare it and then bad things happen and we forgot. I want you to say God can do anything. And every time doubt comes, that's what I want you to fight it with. God can do anything. Disappointment. God can do anything. Didn't go my way. God can do anything. It's not working out. God can do anything. Don't have the money in the bank. God can do anything. Feel like I'm getting too old. God can do anything. Didn't see it happening like this. God can do. God can do anything. We talk about Sherman the Third a lot because he teaches us on a daily basis. Sherman Third likes biscuits. When you pop open that can of biscuits... Pop it open, the little spoon, pop, dip, pop. You unroll them biscuits. You put them on the sheet. Sherman the third wants to eat the biscuit right away. No, that's raw biscuits. You can't eat. Like, first of all, it's not going to taste good. Second of all, it's going to make you sick. Many of us, our hearts have been sick. You've been eating the rawness. Instead of waiting on the manifestation of what God has for you, you gotta give it time. You gotta give it time. You gotta let it go through the fire. It's still too cold, it's still too raw, it's still too new. You haven't let it go through anything, you've got a vision. You got the ceiling, it's, it's built there. You got something to look up to. But do you know what happens to vision? It gets capped off. And you know what strengthens it in the beams? Impatience. The more impatient you are, the more capped off you are in vision because you can't wait for the bigness of it. Don't give up when you find yourself under the hammer of God. You know the interesting thing about a hammer? It can be a weapon in the hands of somebody with ill intentions. Mm. Somebody can get a hammer, and if they intend to kill you, they can just get that hammer and beat you to death. But the same tool, the same hammer, in the hands of a professional can build something beautiful. I have news for you. God is a professional. Oh, sure. And when you feel the hammering of God on you, it's not to kill you. When you feel the hammering of God on you, it's not to harm you. He's building something. Why? Wow. He said, you are my workmanship. You are my workmanship. And with every chisel, with every chip, with every blow, the Lord says, you are my God gift the lord says i chose you the lord says you are mine the lord says i am making you the lord says this is not a weapon but this is a blessing why this is not always what it will look like my god we got to remember who he is and whose hand the hammer is in and because we are his workmanship we have been called to accomplish great things in the earth The process of once upon a time, because once upon a time sounds great, but you know that's in the beginning of the story. The manifestation is determined by how you steward it. People dream at night while they're asleep, but dreams can also turn into nightmares. Mm. Psalms 30 and 5 says, for his anger endureth but a moment. And in his favor, is life, weeping may endure for a night, yeah. but joy comes in the morning. The scripture is not just for hard times. The scripture is a grace scripture. Look at the beginning of it. It talks about the anger of the Lord, the same anger that's mentioned in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And then it says, in his favor is life. He's extending favor to you. Why? As an extension of his grace. This is not talking about weeping may endure, the weeping from the hand of another. This is talking about the weeping that you endure because of yourself. This is talking about the weeping that you endure because of the situations you put yourself in. This is talking about the weeping that endures because of you. But what? Joy comes in the morning. When we look at Ecclesiastes 5 and 6, where we started, it says, Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was in error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? This is why. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. Excuses for why you're not doing what God is calling you to do are all trash. They're the same trash. It's the same trash. We, we try to make it like it's clean trash, dirty trash, it's all trash. <laughs> there is no valid reason for why you're not doing what God has called you to do. It's not a valid one. We take trash to the God of the impossible and lay out why he can't do what he said he was going to do. <laughs> there is no valid reason for why you're not running full force and to what God has for you to do. They are these excuses that we make up. There's no reason. The reality is, and this is really the message right here, this last little part, that it's time for the morning to dawn on our dreams. In the Bible, when we read about morning, it's in the morning that has been designated for activity. Things slow down in the afternoon, things slow down at night. But when you read in the Bible, the morning is a time designated for activity. The morning is when Lot, Abraham, Laban decided to travel. The morning is when it was time to move. The morning is when Joshua decided to go to battle. The morning is when Ruth decided to get up and go to work. The morning is when in Genesis, they responded to the revelation that they got at night. The morning is when they responded. The morning is when Jeremiah decided to go after justice. This is morning, and it is time for you to wake up. Why wake up? Because your dreams can't torment you anymore. Because every seed of laughter, every seed of doubt, every seed of second guessing, we know has come straight from hell. Why wake up? Because it's time to travel. Why wake up? Because it's time to fight. Why wake up? Because it's time to go to battle for the thing that God has called you to. You don't have to worry about winning. He took that off the table. No worrying about winning. Why? Because he already told you you would win. You can't sleep on your dreams anymore. Why? Because it is sin. Sin. When you decide to sleep on a dream that God gave you, you just invited sin into what he called you to. You lived here in a safe space of dreaming with God. And then your stagnancy caused you to open the door to fear, open the door to doubt, open the door to hell, open the door to the enemy. And now in that same room of dreaming lives demonic forces swirling around you. But it's not time to live there anymore you have to wake up, because it's time to be active. You have to wake up, because it's time to do and not to talk, you have to wake up because it's time to do and not to complain. you have to wake up because it's time to do and not ask for more advice. You've got enough advice to act on. It's time to wake up, why? Because it's time to do and not second guess what God is calling you to. Ephesians 5 and 4 says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. We have debt that we owe, and we have delayed paying it to God the Father. And we think that he's pleased because we're dreaming. We think that he's pleased because we're declaring. We think he's pleased because we're going to church. We think he's pleased because we're doing devotion. We think he's pleased because we're walking people through the prayer of salvation. But if you're denying what he put on the inside of you, he is angry. And nothing will settle his restlessness except for an obedient yes from you. You may be stuck in the dream. You may be stuck in the sin stain. You may be stuck somewhere between time and pressure, but it's time to wake up. It's morning. Don't just go big, but go big and steward well. It's morning. Don't just go big, but go big and steward well. It is time for us to actively press into what God has for us. Let me pray with you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that everyone under the sound of my voice, on the replay, on the live stream, everyone in this room, God, I call us all to a place of repentance. I call us all to a place of repentance. For we've called ourselves dreaming and running after you, but we've pursued mixture in the midst. And so right now, God, we repent. We repent for partial obedience. We repent for doubt. We repent for fear. We repent for for pride we repent for complacency we repent for stagnancy oh God we are sorry we repent because we put a limit on you we repent because we said that there were things that you could not do and we didn't say it with our mouth but we said it with our actions we said it with our ability to hold back when you told us to run forward And so now it's from this place of repentance that we make a vow of renewal. It's from this place of repentance that we make a vow of commitment. We don't vow and then look back. We don't vow and then question. But we vow and we push and we press and we push and we press. We refuse to crush the skull of what you've called us to, oh God. Why? Because you've got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so there's nothing that will hold us back. And so God, we say no to distractions. We say no to grief. We say no to disappointment. We say no to anything that's standing in the way of our yes to you. We are your people we are your sheep you are our shepherd and we will not follow another we only know the voice of the father strangers we will not follow strangers we will not slow down for strangers we will not be distracted by their praise why because we only want to please you we say we want our lives to please you god i don't care who's satisfied with us i don't care who's happy with us i don't care who thinks that we've made it i don't care who thinks that we've done enough if we've done less than what you've called us to God we say we're sorry we repent and no longer will we look through for approval through the eyes of men but we look for approval from heaven we look for a God that is pleased because we have said yes to everything we will not waste our time here on the earth we will not make a vow and turn away oh God we remember the but fear God and we reverence you in our daily activities. We reverence you in our lives. We reverence you because you said that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. God, we call you the exceeding God. We call you the abundant God. We call you the above. We can ask or think God. Come on and give the Lord praise right there. Come on and give the Lord praise right there. Come on and give the Lord praise right there. For he is gracious to us. He is gracious to us. He is a God of new beginnings. He is a God of a renewed yes. He is a God that will not leave us. He's a God that will not forsake us. And so he accepts our repentance. He accepts our ability to start over he accepts our yes he accepts our fresh commitment to him and for that we give you praise come on and just make a certain prayer within yourself make it personal right now come on for those of you at home begin to open up your mouth and make your own commitment to the Lord for those of you in this room open up your own mouth and make a commitment to the Lord Come on and do it today. He needs to hear from you and from your heart. Come on and open up your mouth. He's your God. He's your God. You're his dream. You're the manifestation of his dream. Open up your mouth and bow to your God. And we give your name praise. Praise we declare we're so excited for what you will do in the lives of your people. Amen. Wow, that was amazing. Agreed. We want you to stay connected with all nations, San Bernardino. Do not let the uplifting stop here. Join us on Facebook or Instagram for more amazing content. We want to connect with you. And guess what? If you're in town or even out of town, come visit us at All Nations San Bernardino all the way live.